1: Let's get started. Hey, it's Andy Back here, your host of the New Grad Physio Podcast. This week's episode is going to focus all around the objective assessment, and first up, it's probably the area of physio I get asked generally the the most questions about. So. I always think as, as, a, as a physio, as a sports therapist, as a sports rehabilitator, we do three things. We assess our patients, we treat our patients and we give our patients rehab. So if I was going to break those three parts, the, the assessment, treatment and, and rehab, without question I get asked the most questions and therapists reach out to me for help, support, ask questions around assessments, probably more than than anything else and particularly in terms of assessments, it's always more questions around the objective assessment than the, the subjective assessment and usually those questions involve things like special testing about what tests to do, what tests are good, what tests are bad, there's often problems and challenges for therapists like you regarding the structure of their objective assessment so what components should you include should you not include you know which parts of it are maybe more helpful than than others the the I guess the the structure and order of of what what, you know what things you do because I know a lot of therapists really struggle to I guess to keep their objective assessment on track and you often feel like you're jumping from this part of the assessment to this part, you sort of lose track of of where you're at, and that can sometimes prove difficult for you to remember what you've done, what you found, and then you know how your assessment develops, you know, with your patient. If you find one thing, does that mean you, you carry on with your, I guess your your assessment, or do you, you know, do you test additional things at that particular point? And sometimes it can be hard because again, the I guess the more orthopedic type of assessment that maybe you learnt at university is is not something that I use. Now I assess in um, a slightly different way. That's how I, how I teach the therapists I work with and mentor via the new grad physio membership, and some of that I'm going to talk about you know, in this particular podcast. And the final thing before we get into, I guess, the main main body of the the podcast itself is therapists, and and I guess, and I'm sure, you know, I certainly did as a new grad really struggle with this about how to link what you found in the subjective assessment to what then you're testing in the, the objective assessment. And sometimes it's not as simple as maybe you read in the textbooks and you were told at university by by the teaching staff, you know, you get to the end of the subjective and you've got a maybe a primary hypothesis, you know, it's pretty clear about what you think might be going on, which we know is, you know, all well and you know, well and good on paper, but it's not often as, as quite simple as that. And then being able to then select the right test based on that hypothesis. So you're not just testing everything. Uh, and you can actually be a bit more specific with your objective assessment. So, regarding the objective assessment, how do you structure a solid, structured objective assessment to find the right patient diagnosis, the right problems that you actually need to prioritize with your patient to give you the best chance of then selecting the right interventions, whether that's hands-on treatment techniques, whether that's the, the rehab you prescribe, Unless you've got the right problem, it's always going to be difficult to give your, your patient the right solutions. And whether those solutions are hands-on treatments, whether they're rehab, whether they're a combination of both, you know, you need to know you're working with, with the right problem to start with. And that all comes from the assessment. And obviously, the objective assessment is a big, big part of that. So how do you structure a solid, structured, objective assessment? Here are three tips to help you out. So, number one, do not pass go. So, what I mean here is if you get to the end of your subjective assessment and you don't have any idea what is going on with your patient, then you you can't pass go. You can't at that point progress to the objective assessment. If you are really unclear about what's going on, you're not happy with some of the answers your patient has given you, maybe they sounded a bit wishy-washy, but ultimately, the the story your patient has given you just doesn't make sense, you know, there's maybe, it doesn't quite fit together stop you know, don't carry on, what you need to do is go back through that subjective assessment, not all, all of it, not clear you don't need to go right back to the start and welcome your patient back into the room and, and all that sort of stuff, but if there's key parts of that subjective assessment that, that don't make sense, maybe a little bit unclear. You need to go back, maybe you need to ask the same question again. Maybe they it was right at the start of the subjective assessment, your patient was a little bit flustered, you know, they just maybe didn't vocalise the answer to the question as well as they could do. So it might just be a case of actually asking the same question again. It might be that the patient didn't quite understand the question you were asking, so you might need to ask the question again, but maybe in a slightly different way. You might need to probe and prod around that particular question. So again, it might be regarding their past medical history. Though they might have told you a little bit of information about uh, about an injury, uh, but again, it just didn't really, you know, quite quite make sense. Their story doesn't quite sort of fit together. What how they said they injured their their knee or their shoulder. Um, and then the symptoms they describe maybe you know, don't quite that fit together. So do not pass go. If you're unsure about anything, before you get to the objective assessment, you need to nail that subjective assessment. Because again, if that story is wishy-washy, if the information you've got is not as um, as accurate as it can be, that is going to influence what you do then in the objective assessment and as clear as you can can be at the end of a subjective assessment about what potentially is going on with your patient, that's like gold dust. Because then again, that's going to make it really easy or easier for you to then structure an accurate objective assessment. Because rather than thinking, it could be that, it could be that, it could be that, it could be that, and you've got four or five different hypotheses that, which you're all then going to have to test in the objective assessment, you've maybe got one clear one. So again, if you're unsure before you start your objective about what injury you think is going on and what injury you are going to prioritise your objective assessment testing on, then you need to go back to the subjective assessment just to make sure that you've not missed anything. Number two, stick to the plan. So, the way that I work, whether I'm working in the private practice clinic, whether I'm away with an international sports team like I am in camp at the moment, um, whether I'm working in football, in rugby, whether that's league, whether that's union, whether it's in a different different sport, the important thing when you're assessing a patient objectively and working through your objective assessment is that you follow the same process, that you stick to the plan. I treat My athletes, I treat my patients, exactly the same. I test them objectively, exactly the same. I have six components to my objective assessment and the order of testing, the way that I do that, um, stays the same. So the early components of that will be exactly the same for each and every patient that I treat and I'm assessing. So again, whether that's a neck injury, a big toe injury or any injury in between those two points, of the the body those six steps are the same and those early few steps the steps one two and three are exactly the same for every single patient or athlete that I see and the idea behind this is doing some of the big global tests first can give you some pretty basic but really important information but then as we go through the objective assessment we're going to go from testing more generally and holistically if you like to be more specific and clearly more specific testing is going to be in relation to again what you think that patient's injury is and also what you found during those early more global testing and think of it like a funnel at the the start you're testing the big stuff and then as we go work through that objective assessment we're getting to the to the smaller details so start big then go small but I think the the biggest thing here is that you have a plan you know what that plan is you can you could you know verbalize if I was to ask you you know what does your objective assessment look like I would tell you this is what I do first this is what I do next this is what then I do after that then this then this then this these are the six steps these are six components of my objective assessment and this is why and again if you've not got that yourself then it's probably not surprising that sometimes you lose your way you're not Quite clear about, you know, what you're actually wanting to test, and maybe how you assess a shoulder and a knee and a back is completely different because maybe you've been on a shoulder CPD course and a, an expert there told you to assess in this way, and then someone you know delivering a different, you know, CPD course, workshop, whatever it may be, said, access the lower back like this. Then your knee assessment's different, then your ankle assessment's different, and clearly, some of the tests you do with an ankle and shoulder and back are gonna be different. Clearly, like your special testing, for example, is gonna be different, and you're not gonna do shoulder special testing, clearly, for an ankle injury, or vice versa. But, the big components, and, and what you're actually looking for, whether that's a range of movement or output testing or global movement testing, all things that that I do as part of my objective assessment and the things that I teach the therapists that I that I work with and mentor um, are the same. So then clearly, some of the specifics are different when we come towards the end of the objective assessment, but pretty much the the steps you go through, the components of your objective assessment can and you know should be be the same. And this makes it really easy for you as a therapist. So you don't have to have a completely different way of assessing whether you're assessing an ankle or a knee or a lower back or a shoulder, that the process and the structure is the same. Clearly the specific tests you do towards the end of the assessment are going to be different, but the process can stay exactly the same. And again, a really a good example of why it's important to stick to the plan. So in the way that I work, and the way that I suggest you know, your objective assessment to look. You should do and always do your special tests for an injury right at the end. And this is because special tests are provocative. So what they are, they're trying to provoke instability and or pain. So the last thing you want to do is halfway through your objective assessment is to, to irritate a patient's knee or shoulder or back because then any other test you're wanting to do after that are probably going to be null and void because, again, you've provoked your patient. You've made them feel unstable. You've wobbled a a knee around, an MCL, for example, and it feels pretty horrible if you've ever had that done to you. It's a horrible feeling that your knee moves you know, clearly in some place that it's not meant to. Or it's painful. You do a test and it's really sore, and then after that, you're doing more tests and your patient's telling you, yeah, that's sore, that's sore, that's sore. But is it sore because it's a positive test, or are you just getting a false positive because you've made them sore you've made them painful, and their knee shoulder, whatever it is is just sore from the testing you've done previously, so you're getting these positive results, but some of them and then again, just false positives because you've you've stirred something up, and your patients just sore, so you always want to do your least provocative test first and then as you work through the objective assessment you're gathering more information about your patient about what injury they potentially have then you can be really specific at the end and do your you know your your most provocative test like your special test right at the end of the assessment and the beauty of this also is if you do a great job with your objective assessment, what you'll find is you're gathering more and more information about your patient's injury and what's going on. You'll find as you get to the end of the assessment and then you get to the point of doing those special tests, a lot of the time, if you've done a great job with with the, the other parts of your objective assessment, you will find you don't need to do as many special tests as you would ordinarily do. And again, special testing should... I'm not going to jump the gun a little bit into the last point, but special testing is all about ruling things in rather than ruling things out. And if you do a great job with the other parts of your objective assessment, it means that you don't often need to do as many special tests as you think you need to do. And again, that's a good thing because, again, they're going to provoke instability and or pain. So the last thing we want to do is make our patient, you know, more apprehensive uh, to make them more sore unnecessarily. Because the next thing we're going to do after we've finished assessing them is explain our you know assessment findings. Explain how we're going to. You know, fix them and go through a treatment plan with them before then we try and make them better so the last thing we want to do immediately before trying to treat them or give them rehab to make them make them better is actually make them worse so why would you do special tests that are going to provoke symptoms can provoke apprehension and um, are going to you know aggravate them and give them pain directly before you're actually trying to make them better it makes you know clearly doesn't make any sense whatsoever. so stick to the plan Your objective assessment and know really clearly what your objective assessment looks like and don't deviate from that and the third tip is know and practice your special test so your first test is always going to be your best test so again patients unless they may be a physio um, when you get into certain positions don't really know what you're going to do they don't know at that point and again, unless they've got a lot of experience with injuries and they've had a similar injury before, and just can remember your your handling positioning, they don't really know what's coming next. So when you go to do a special test, so I used an example before of, of an MCL, you go to do that MCL valgus test. Your first test is always going to be your best test in, in you know in, in the majority of cases. Your patient doesn't know what you're going to do you can get them to relax, you can do the test, you can you can assess the integrity of that, that MCL. Say you're doing a, a valgus test um, with, the, with the knee straight, so at, at 0 degrees of knee extension. When you do that, if they do have instability or that provokes pain, you know, if you try to do that test again, you know, they probably didn't like it if their knee wobbled around or was really sore. So again, if you try to do that again for, you know, rep one no rep two sorry or 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 again for you know have another go at that they're probably gonna um, stop you from doing it they're gonna probably switch the quads on they're gonna stop you from wangling that knee around because it didn't feel very nice and that's again just a natural reaction that that i would do that that you would do in the in the same circumstances but that first test they weren't aware of what you were going to do they weren't ready for that so your first test is always going to be the best test so again what why this is really important is then when you get to the point of special testing, you need to test the for test the integrity of the structures you think are are the the primary cause of symptoms, the, the diagnosis. So again, if you do what a lot of therapists do, they've got an injury, you query an MCL, then you start doing the ACL testing, LCL, all these other testing. Like some of these tests can can irritate. So again, if you have an MCL and it's clear an MCL. I personally wouldn't test the ACL first because, again, when you do an anterior draw test or a Lachman's test, we know the MCL is a secondary restraint to anterior draw, to, so it helps out the, the ACL with that anterior displacement of the, of the tibia. So, again, if you do an anterior draw test or a Lachman's test, you might stir that MCL up. So then when you actually come to do a valgus test, the MCL is already a little bit irritated. It might be painful, then you might get, a, again, a false positive. So, again, if, if you're thinking MCL, You need to test the MCL first. By all means, if you want to roll out an ACL after that, then do that after. But remember, your first test is always going to be your best test. Special tests provoke symptoms. They provoke pain. They provoke instability. So we need to be mindful of this when we get to our special testing. And also, why it's important um, is... A test special test is only as special as the test itself, and what I mean by that is it's highly dependent on your ability to do the test well. So, if you look at all the evidence and you look at the Lackman's test being the most specific and sensitive test for a rupture to the ACL, but it's only a good test, and it is a great test, and I use it as as a test, but it's only a good test if you can actually do the test properly. If you can't, clearly it's you know not. Not a good test because you obviously you need to be able to to complete the test. So that's why it's important that you you know the appropriate test for you know injured structures, but also that you can actually do the do the test um, properly. And the, the final thing that I wanted to just to touch up upon again, special testing for me is about ruling things in. So you do a great job with your subjective assessment, and that patient story makes sense. You do a great job with all the other components of your objective assessment. So when you come to special testing, you're really clear about this is what it looks like. This is the injury that I suspect's going on and I can use this special test to confirm that. So what we're doing here is ruling in. I think the way that I was taught and so many therapists out there are taught at university and etc., is, you know, you've got a knee injury, an ankle injury, so you, you test almost every test that you know at the knee at the ankle, whereas you know if you logically thought about what you were doing, you wouldn't do that. The, the patient's mechanisms of injury, their story, everything else you found so far as part of the objective assessment doesn't point you towards injury, you know, B, C, and D. So why are you testing those structures? If it's really clear, it's you know, or it looks like it's injury A. An injury is a you know, um, you know, a labral injury in the shoulder or a disc-related low back problem or a meniscal injury. Then those are the structures that we need to be testing. You know, clearly you might want to test you know injury, you know B and C just to just ease your you know to to ease your, um, you know, t- t- to ease your mind probably that you're not missing a you know an ACL with a with a knee injury. I get that, but your primary test needs to be the injury and the structure that you think is causing the, your patient the, the, the biggest problem, ultimately their primary diagnosis. So, in terms of the three tips to help you structure a solid, structured, objective assessment, do not pass go, if your patient story doesn't make sense, go back to the subjective assessment and make sure you've not missed anything, stick to the plan, if there's one big takeaway from his podcast is think about your own objective assessment. Do you have a clear structure to it? Do you go off, off, you know, off kilter when you're going through your objective assessment? So try not to do that. Try and stick to to your plan. I have something, you know, six components of my objective assessment, and I will never deviate um, from that. And again, your objective assessment should test the least provocative test first. Um, and then the most provocative test should come at the end and then finally number three know and practice your special test so special test is only as good as, as you performing the test so be really clear about you know what test you can use for certain injuries and be comfortable and confident with your actual testing so that might mean you need to do a little bit of practice remember your best test is always your first test and try and test with the mindset that you're trying to rule something in rather than rule everything else out. So I hope that's been really helpful in terms of helping you with your um, objective assessment. If you'd like to learn a bit more, maybe you want to have a bit more of a practice, you want to see um, how I work and how I um, teach therapists around structuring their, their own, Solid, structured, objective assessment. Then I am this week, um, so if you listen to this podcast episode when it is released, I have just opened um, tickets um, for a course I'm doing later this year. So it's my rehab and return to performance one day course that's happening on Saturday, the 25th of November. 2023 it's going to be taking place in leeds so wheatwood hall hotel in leeds england which is that's in the the north of the the country i've released just 10 tickets so these are um, some early bird tickets they are the cheapest price tickets that you'll be able to get for the the course you can find more details about the course you can find um how to reserve your, your place for this course by hitting the link in the the show notes. Equally if you reach out to me on any of my social media channels, send me a direct message. You can email me andy at newgraphphysio.com. If you check out my socials I will be posting some um, content um, and links around you know around the course content and, and what it is when it's happening. So I would love um, to see you there in person I'll be you know spending a big chunk of time in the morning around the objective assessment showing you the exact system that I use to assess the athletes and patients that I work with working through those six components of the objective assessment that I mentioned earlier in the, the podcast showing you how to do that you get opportunity to practice all these tests and techniques um, yourself um, under you know over my shoulder see me do it with you know a model on the course, uh, and then actually you know get get a chance to practice on each other during the the course day itself. So if you'd like to learn more about my one day rehab and return to performance course happening at the end of November 2023, then hit the link in the show notes. Check out any of my socials, um, or just contact me directly and give you all the details. So as always. I really appreciate your time and uh, attention thanks for joining me on this podcast episode um, i hope you have enjoyed it I hope you've taken something away and i hope it's, it's helped with your um, objective um, assessments as always if you do have any questions please just hit me up reach out to me and i'll get back to you as soon as i see them so thanks again for your time attention thanks for joining me on the new grad physio podcast and i'll join you again when we next hit the air.
0: Thanks for listening to the New Grad Physio podcast. Before you head off, I just wanted to make sure you did not miss this. Alongside his podcast, Andy posts a weekly blog on his website, www.newgradphysio.com. You can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF. The five breakthrough steps to confidently treat the shoulder right every time, avoid mistakes, and stop you feeling less adequate than other new grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF, or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses, or find out more about his new grad physio membership, head to www newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.